Hello and welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast from the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. And today we're going to hear about a country that you probably have never heard of. It's called Lesotho. It's a country in the middle of South Africa. It's a tiny country, but it has a thriving merino industry. In fact, it's an industry that's very, very different to the Australian industry, where flocks average around 200 ewes. Rangelands are communally managed because there are no fences. The federal government actually promotes the use of the merino, and decisions are made principally by the chief. Anyway, instead of me trying to explain this amazing industry, let's hear from Natapiana, who's from the Ministry of Agriculture in Lesotho, from the Wool and Merino Project. So I asked him just how decisions were made around how flocks are managed. We normally sit together as a whole village under the leadership of the chief and the village development council and decide uh, as in uh, which rangeland to graze at, uh, for how long and then how to rotate them. That is, we, is a must co-activity that we have to sit together because no individual farmer is owning the rangeland. Yes, it's a very different concept, so it must really require everyone to work together. Does this always happen? Yes, it is quite different, but uh, first of all, uh, since the government advocates for, and the government policy advocates mainly for merino ship, it becomes a bit easier because uh, that is a priority animal in the, in the country, and therefore all other animals are, are considered to be the cows, especially within the sheep species. And therefore, once the chief calls people, already they know what the government advocates for. Already they have seen the benefits of rearing the, the merino sheep, already they have seen the importance of uh, meeting the international standards, then their, their livelihoods are now improving, and now they have seen that uh, once you own merino, you don't even know, I mean, you don't even need to go to the mines of South Africa because our forefathers have been going to the mines of South Africa for work. But now they, they are saying merino is our golden mine in Lesotho. We don't have to go to other countries. So this is why even though we, our land is communally owned, they still believe that they can make life out of merino. So you were saying before that the merino is a protected animal. Yes. What does that mean? Does it mean it cannot be crossed with anything other than merino? What it actually means is that in as far as import permit are, permits are concerned, you will not be given a permit to import any other breed beside merino unless we have convinced the Department of Animal Science that you are going to house those animals. They are not going to go to the, to, to the grazing area. Because once they are there, there is no assurance that they will not cross our, our, our priority breed. So the, the, the permit for other breeds are only allowed for the butchers, people who will just bring animals for slaughter. So this is why you call it a protected animal. It doesn't mean that there are no breeds, no other breeds at all. You know, the law enforcement, some people will not buy about with the law. But in as far as the law is concerned, it's a protected animal by policy. So does that mean in maybe 10 years' time, that the merino will perhaps be the only breeding animal in the country? This is our plan, but uh, you know, with this changing uh, economy, there is also advocacy for diversification. Because now, majority of the people have uh, moved from the, the, the mountains to the lowlands, and the area for lowlands is shrinking every day. And these people also want to rear animals, and it will be very difficult to rear merino. So they are now saying, look, government, 
Can you allow us to go for the other breed like dairy goats as far as we can fully house them to make sure that they do not go to the rangelands? To go directly to the question that we have asked, for the upcoming 10 years, we see Merino uh, fully covering our, our rangelands, even though we have to diversify, but only in the lowlands. So the, the country is mostly uh, mountainous, but you're saying there is some lowlands. and yes. the, the sheep, uh, that all the rams are in the villages. The flocks come back to the villages uh, yes. for mating season and then they go back to the rangelands. Is that right? Yes. The country is mm, extremely mountainous. The way we manage our mating system, the rams are left at homes when the ewes are, are, are released to the, to the grazing area. During the mating time, which is normally around April for majority of our farmers, April, May, what do we do? We leave the rams uh, back at home and then during night, just close to night, we allow them to mate with the use during the night. But there are other farmers who plant further at their fields. And then they can also allow the, the rams, if during the course of the day, to mate with the use because fields are individual owned. That is your field. If you have grown pasta, you can do what you, you want. But as for other farmers, they normally breed during the night. And when they're in the rangelands for the majority of the year, given there are no fences, how is it patrolled? How is it that uh, your flock is over there and my flock is over there? They have been looked after by the head boys the whole day. That means you must have a very reliable head boy. Yeah. So the old shepherd. The, the old shepherds. shepherds yeah. All shepherds. Wow. And okay. then each and every shepherd is responsible for the flock of, uh, I mean, of, of that particular owner. And then they make sure that during breeding, your shepherd looks strictly Unless there is an agreement between two farmers, maybe the flock is not that much. We normally have one is to 50, the ratio, one ram to 50 ewes. Mm. And then you can say we have 100 ewes, two farmers, then let us be together and have two ewes for the whole flock. Okay. There are still some such arrangements. Yes. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it's quite fascinating. Are farmers in Lesotho making money at the moment? Uh, is the economy going well? The economy is growing very well, uh, and each year we see the increase in terms of money that is being brought into the pockets of the farmers. And now, a uh, few of the farmers are producing rams, of which now they see a difference of, rather than waiting for the whole year for an, for, for an annual harvest of wool, producing rams brings more money. And if you compare the amount of wool that you are going to get for a flock of 100 ewes, if you manage to produce at least 10 to 20 rams, it covers the whole money that was, was going to be brought by, by wool. So that is a very good investment. And now and now we have what you call the Sut Wool and Moher Promotion Project, which is a very good project funded by the international organizations like International Fund for Agricultural Development. We have a government of Lesotho. We have Lesotho National Wool and Moher Association. And it is a project of 38 million US dollars. That's it. That's a newly established yeah, project. It is going to address the aspects of animal breeding, animal nutrition, and animal health. And above all, it is also going to be invested in research, marketing, and the general uh, husbandry of sheep. Oh. So it's a big project. Sounds like it's the AWI. Yes. <laughs> so this, yes. Is, this is interesting. Now, um, we've been speaking for some time about your industry there, but we haven't spoken about the type of merinos that you run there. And I, yes. we're, we're here in Uruguay uh, at a farm where they run... Uh, merino ewes that are about 50, 55 kilograms and about 18 micron. Yes. It's, and you've been saying it's similar to the type of sheep that uh, you have? Yes. In, in my country, we, we understand that the market uh, demands highly the fine wool, 
but we advocate for medium because due to our terrain, experience has told us, has shown us that uh, the finer the wool, the lesser the size of the, and also feeding the fine wool, once uh, you have this fluctuation in climate and animal nutrition, we have seen that it loses the macrons mm. at all. So we, we, we are saying we advocate for, for, for medium, which is ranges from 18 to 20, I mean 19 to 21, mm. uh, then this is what we, 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 we are, because we have seen it's a big ship, yeah. but it doesn't lose the, yeah. the fleece weight. So is, it, yeah. so is it similar or a little bit finer than the South African Merino? It's similar, but... It, it is closely similar, even though in South Africa, the only difference is that since majority of them are able to house their, 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 their ship, uh, theirs is, is a bit finer than us because they can feed sheep, yeah. they have ranches, grazing areas are fenced, so grazing management is, is, yeah. is very good. And uh, I think you're saying that uh, the ewes cut about three kilograms yes. um, on average, and that's obviously not fed, no supplementary feeding, yes. just on the rangeland. Just on the rangeland, the, the, we have what you call the fiber track, which is uh, the, the book. That gives us the feedback from the marketing of wool. So the recent figures that we have just got show that we are at around 2.7 to 3 kg, which is the average fleece weight for animal that grazes entirely on the rangeland. But as for those who feed, who practice supplementary feeding, who normally house the animals, maybe for the show, they can even go above 4. But it's a very minute figure. The majority are around 3 kg. We have uh, predators of fox and some wild dogs um, and things like this. Yeah. But I dare say your predators are a lot more. Yeah, they're a lot so more. What, what, what are the predators <laughs> yeah. in uh, Lesotho? You... We also have uh, predators like fox, like you have mentioned, is the same case in Australia. Uh, we have a problem, uh, especially when the animals are grazing away from the home states. You remember we said we have two systems of grazing. We have the, the, the system whereby our animals will be grazing closer to the homestays. In that case, we do not, we do not have a lot of folks because they are, they are fearful of dogs. Mm. But once you take them in the mountains, whereby they are only with the shepherds, this is where we, are, we, 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 we do experience a severe damage from the foxes. But the other thing is the stock theft, which is another predator, that, uh, yes, man. which is a, a yeah. man. Yeah. So because since our, our rangeland, I mean, most of our villages are not even fenced. Mm. They're just open. They're just close to each other. So stock theft is a problem now. And we people are now coming together to police themselves. Our police departments have encouraged us to make sure that we, we form what you call security associations within the village so that we can patrol the whole village. And, but stock theft is still the problem. That is one of the main things that I can consider to be a threat to the industry. So stock theft, better management of and coordination of rangelands. What are the other issues that are facing your industry? The other thing I think now is this, uh, the global uh, agenda, which is climate change, is now coming in at a very alarming rate. For instance, we were not used to have snow in months like October. That we consider to be extremely summer months but nowadays it's not surprising to have a very heavy snow that will kill the majority of the lambs that have just born in large numbers that is one of the hazards and also the the, the drought uh, last year we didn't have good rains between october to december and majority of our farmers lost a lot of sheep the mortality rate was very high 
It was only January up to now that we have heavy rainfall. And the, even the further, anything that was planted before Christmas, that was before December, it didn't grow well. So it came very late. So that is one of the, one of the hazards that we, we, we face, the weather hazards. So the other thing is animal nutrition, which is one a big issue because we compete with crops. For a farmer to set aside a certain land for fodder, it means he has to sacrifice the crop like staple food like maize and other things. Yeah. So he has to prioritize and understand that you can have, you can buy maize meal out of animals. So it's a lot of extension that yeah. has to be played. Yeah, because he will be telling us that my forefathers has been planting maize on that field. And the climate change was not that pronounced mm. in those days. Yeah. And for them to see, look, with sheep, you will still harvest. But with maize, once it has not germinated, yeah. You are no so let us diversify. Let us maybe leave a certain hectare for sheep yeah. and then save. So we are now playing our extension, and I think gradually they will understand. Yeah, so more, Alma more, nutrition more. Is, a, is, a, is a one thing. So the other problem that we, we are facing is uh, we don't have much problem with uh, lambing, conception rate, but problem is survival rate. When you consider the number of lambs that were born compared to the number wind, I think issues of land management is a problem because our farmers get uh, trucks, fertilizer trucks far away. Anyway, I think we are lucky now with this project. They also, the issues of animal nutrition, supplementary fees are very expensive. And you'll find that uh, we still have to play more extension for them to plant further. Mm. So you find that majority of lambs die just after birth. Oh, really? It's not surprising yeah. for a farmer to have 100 lambs on the ground. And he will tell you that he is only left with maybe 30 to 40 lambs. So that is a critical issue. Lamb management, I think to interact with other countries, training, research and other things, is, yes, this is where we have problems. There's a lot to, lot to work with. Well, yes. it's um, very nice to meet you. Yes. Uh, thank you very much for your time today. And thank you very much. All the very best for, uh, for, for the future, it sounds like. There's challenging but uh, exciting Excellent, uh, future yes. ahead for you and, and the industry. Thank you very much. Thank for you very much. Me, yeah. Thank you very much. That's Natalia Piano from the Ministry of Agriculture in Lesotho. And he was speaking with me at the World Merino Congress in Uruguay. Uh, we'll be bringing you a few more of these interviews as time permits. Thank you again for listening. I hope you really enjoyed that. I, I really uh, enjoyed catching up with him. And if you have any suggestions, any questions about Australian wool innovation or perhaps something you'd like explored at the yarn, send us through an email at theyarn at wool.com. But from now, from me, Murray's coming. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.